In dealing with the theme of ghosts and paranormal stories from Korea, one subject you can't dismiss is mudang, Korean shamans. Today we are looking at shamans and shamanism in Korea. It's a complex and controversial subject with lots of different variations and viewpoints. My aim here is to provide a broad and brief overview as perceived by wider society without arguing if they are true or not. And it will be followed by some allegedly true stories involving shamans in modern Korea. Strictly saying, mudang means a female shaman and paksu means the male counterpart. But in contemporary terms, mudang has become more a representative term for a shaman, partially because there are more female shamans in the business. So I'm going to just use mudang or shaman without distinction. As in most other cultures, shamanism and shamans took an important position and role in ancient Korean nations up until the Middle Age. But as Buddhism became the national religion, it started to lose its position, and by 15th century, as the new dynasty based on Confucianism began, shamans became gradually one of the lowest of the lows in the society. That doesn't of course mean shamanism or shamans disappeared, Confucius' Joseon dynasty was distinctively non-religious, and people still turned to shamanism for religious and spiritual matters. But because of the low social standing of the shamans, the relationship had become a complex mixture of awe, fear, and despise, and that relationship continues today. There are largely two kinds of shamans traditionally, one is those who served as a sort of priesthood of the community, and the other is those chosen by a god to become its mouthpiece or medium. In the past, a village, town or province might have a family dedicated to the role of the spiritual guidance and the leader of rituals. It was considered as a family profession that goes down one generation to another and didn't always involve spirits or gods. As the society modernized and such role no longer valued, only few of this kind of shamans remain today. For that reason, when one mentions a shaman in modern Korea, one usually means the second kind of shaman, who is a medium to a god. They are often involuntarily chosen by a god for their natural spiritual talent. Because a shaman is not highly regarded and often has to give up normal personal life, one would often try to avoid a fate, but the god that has chosen the person would make a hell out of the person's life, bringing various ailments and misfortunes until he or she gives in. Then the person would go through several rituals as an official acceptance and contract to the god, and as the medium of the deity, the person would be given various kinds of spiritual powers. Shamanism today is not an established religion with a set doctrines or theories. For that reason, gods served by shamans can come in all sorts of different names and shapes, from the natural object such as old tree or mountain, to a historic or mythical heroic figure or an ancient king, 
the random spirits of babies, or adopting the influence from Buddhism or Taoism, Buddha or Jade Emperor themselves can be served too. Basically, there is little boundary in the world of shamanic deities, even though the traditional deity or historic figures tend to take the higher position of the hierarchy. A shaman would take on the characteristics of the god when in contact with it, and its power would dictate the virility and speciality of the shaman. Unlike in the West, where a medium, clairvoyant, fortune teller, and exorcist are considered separate abilities and professions, a mudang in Korea often covers all those areas. In the modern setting, a shaman would usually consult their client as a fortune teller and clairvoyant to detect what kind of issues may underlie. If the problem should call more than just a simple advice or writing a talisman, the shaman would take on the role as a medium and if he required an exorcist, and perform from prayer to make an offering to a full-blown shamanic ritual called kut. Korean shamanic ritual called kut is often a colorful affair. It involves music, colorful costumes that sometimes resemble the traditional military general, lots of symbolic relics, various food as an offering, vigorous dance, chanting, and sometimes acrobatic elements. It's basically the process to appease to a god or gods to forgive people's misconducts and grant them a good fortune. In the past, a shamanic ritual was often performed for the given community's good fortune, such as a plentiful harvest or catch, or to stop plague or bad weather. It was often considered as a festive occasion where the whole community came together. Though most of such rituals are extinct, but some of them are still occasionally performed for a folk festival, and some historical ones are protected as intangible cultural properties. Most rituals today are a private affair. While the process, symbolism and bravura remains, some of the tools used can be replaced with more modern objects, such as a colorful beach ball instead of five-colored flag. In contemporary Korea, Shamans still have to deal with the complex social standing they've been put under for the past hundreds of years. While not a small population still seek and rely on their service, only few of them would openly admit they do. Shamans face despise and condemnation from both the other established religions, especially the Protestant churches, and the larger society which values rationality more and more. Another issue facing the modern shamans in Korea is while the profession remains, the tradition is fast dying. In the past, a shaman was considered a profession that requires a lengthy training, from the complex procedure of ritual, to spells, to writing talisman. For that reason, a newbie shaman would seek a sort of apprenticeship to an older and more experienced shaman. Unfortunately, many younger generations skip the lengthy training period and focus on the business side of the job. 
and with more and more shamans neglecting the old system, the tradition that has been handed down person to person is at risk of being lost in time. Whatever your opinion about the tradition of shamanism and shamans, it's been a fundamental part of the spirituality of Korea, its perception of life and death, karma, spirits and ghosts. You will find its undeniable presence in many stories I'm going to present in the future. But today we are going to look at several stories that may give you some idea about the shamans living in modern Korea. As always, hand-picked, translated, and narrated by your host, Anthony. I have a close friend who is a shaman. When we first encountered at a club, she was rocking a killer high heel and killer thick cat-eye lines. My first impression of her was icy chic to the point of rudeness. But that night, she helped me and my friend out from guys who tried to spike our drinks. And the rest is, as they say, a history. No, but really... We indeed had a longer history. We had met when I was a little girl already. In my town, not far from my own humble home, was a grand house, a traditional equivalent to a manor house. Coming from a poverty-stricken family, it practically looked like a royal palace to my preschooler's eyes. And the owner of the house was a famous shaman. I instinctively knew it was a grand place and just loved hanging around, looking at the big wooden pillars, wooden gate, etc. One day a plain-looking woman came out of the gate and invited me in with a smile. For a promise of a snack, who was I to decline such an invitation? As I walked in, I saw a teenage girl sitting in front of a piano. I thought, that must be the princess of the house. And yes, that was the shaman friend. The woman invited me in was her mother and the famous shaman herself. She was kind to me, told me I have a kind, innocent soul, and I occasionally visited her since then on, mainly attracted to the snacks she offered me. The daughter I only passed by rarely. She never talked to me, and the only impression I got was her pale complexion. And, of course, I could not have had any idea what she was going through then. Her mother, the big shaman, had a dream of becoming a concert pianist, but couldn't resist God's call and became a shaman. Her daughter, my friend, wanted to become a pianist herself, too. She deemed very talented and went on to study at a reputable university in Seoul. But the fate of shamanism running in a family sadly didn't make an exception of her. The real sad part of the whole story is her youthful romance with a violinist boy whom she met at her high school. They often played a duo together and promised to go study abroad together in the future. But my friend's fate started to reveal itself she started to suffer bouts of severe migraines, and it got especially bad when she was with a boy. The notes on the music failed to make sense, 
and she started making uncanny mistakes at competitions and concerts. She once described that it felt like a drunkard making a mess in her brain. Knowing what kind of shadow was drawing on her, she said to the boy that she might not be able to accompany him anymore. But the boy said, We'll get over this. My violin cannot breathe without your piano. I would need you next to me for the rest of my life. Well, that was a proposal. But things weren't getting better. My friend even had a freak accident that broke her fingers. Her boy kept her side during the rehabilitation, but soon he himself fell ill and needed a big operation. The day before his operation, my friend had a dream in which she was breaking off the boy's violin bit by bit. Fearing her refusal to a fate to the shamanic life might now hurt her love, she called her mom, the big shaman. Her mother wept on the phone, saying, I pray that the fate may spare you. I'm sorry. My friend gave up her dream, left her love, came down home and accepted her destiny as a shaman. She had a dream, then, where her late grandma, who was a shaman herself, put a flower on her head. The boy recovered well and delayed his planned study overseas for months to persuade my friend back, but in the end had to leave by himself. My friend had never touched piano since then. For a time I worked at a nail salon. There were three manicurists, including myself. One day we got two middle-aged women, first-time customers, to the salon, and not long after, a male customer whose nails I got to work on. He asked for black nail polish. It's more or less a routine that we make chit-chat with our customers, as it usually takes about an hour start to finish. I noticed my customer using Seoul accent, so I started the conversation. I guess you're from Seoul. Are you visiting Busan for a holiday? No, I'm here to shoot. Shoot? A film? Do you know this program on TV? He mentioned the name of the popular program, basically a competition format for exorcists and shamans, and that he was going to participate for the coming week's episode. He insisted that I checked out the trailer for the upcoming episode. By then, both my colleagues and the two female customers were all curious, and we watched it on a notebook, and indeed he was a part of the show. Anyway, I continued working on his nail, both somewhat intrigued and somewhat creeped at the same time. This guy occasionally rolled his eyes back as if contacting spirits then and there. He explained that spirits he was serving was a grandpa, and he'd contact him only at particular times, and without the contact with the spirit, his fortune-telling would have only about 70-80% accuracy. One of the customers wouldn't seem to let go of this chance meeting and started asking the shaman guy's opinion about her new business venture. 
he duly rolled his eyes back again, then rather than giving the answer to her question, asked if there was somebody ill in the family, and that the person might pass away in a week. And then, pointing a companion, he asked if she was her sister. They were, indeed. They looked so different, we were rather assuming they were friends. The woman followed with admitting that her grandmother was ill. The shaman then added, If you want the business, be your own boss. The business partner you're looking is likely be a scammer. The woman admitted that she was indeed thinking of having a business partner. She asked what she should do, and the shaman instructed her to write down the names of all her family members on a piece of paper. So she did her husband's, her own name, and her two kids. The shaman looked at the names and said, You have one more kid? The woman first denied, but then realized he was talking about her child who passed away at the age of one. She looked practically in shock by now. The shaman then drew something on the back of the paper, a talisman, I suppose. We asked him that he should tell us something too, and he agreed to grant one question for each of us. The other two colleagues asked how it would turn out if they opened their own shop. I myself thought over what I should ask, and settled down with when I would finally get a boyfriend. He then rolled his eyes again and said, Take a note. January 11th. So I of course noted the date down. You are meeting him on that date. At a gym. Two years younger, well-built and good-tempered. Has a good card, too. He shall hand you his name card and ask you for a date. So, of course, I marked the date on my calendar and signed up for a gym two, three months well in advance, which I wouldn't have dreamed to do otherwise. Came the big date and my colleagues were teasing me that it was the day to hook up the younger boy. I was excited myself too, looking all around the gym, thinking, could that guy be the one? Or that one? Until the gym closed. Well, nobody even said a hello to me. Next day, upon hearing my disappointment, the colleagues suggested that Shaman might have meant the date in a lunar calendar. I thought, well, that makes sense, and waited over a month. It was my day off too, so I arrived at the gym two hours earlier than usual. I must have been on the treadmill for four hours. Well, no ducking guy. And I'm still a single to this day. I went to a Catholic high school. I'm not Catholic myself and no way religious at all, but it was by pure chance of drawing lot. One used to choose first to third preferred school among the available local high schools. Usually one gets a place in the school of one's first choice, but it occasionally happens that one ends up in the second or third choice, like in my case. 
Naturally, most of the schoolmates were devout Catholics, and so was my friend, whom I'll call R. He subsequently chose the way of priesthood. One Saturday afternoon, we were on our way back home and saw a shaman performing a ritual as a part of the town's folk festival program. There were lots of spectators already circling around the colorful ritual. We were almost the last comers and could only get glimpses between layers of wall of people. Then I noticed my friend R looking down and mumbling something to himself. I asked what he was doing, and he said, "Such a ritual is all fraud. I'm reciting a prayer to protect myself from any superstitious influence." Not long after, suddenly it went quiet. The shaman stopped in the middle of a dance, dropped a ritual bells, and shouted, "You!" Pointing a finger towards the spectators, those who were in the front were stunned, of course, and asked, "You mean me?" The shaman replied, "Not you! Step aside now!" The wall of people parted and opened up, revealing me and R right at the back. The shaman roared like an angry animal to us, "You! What have you got against me?" Why are you interrupting my ritual? I didn't understand at first. We were just quietly watching after all. But what the shaman said the next spooked me so much that I had to quickly take R and disappear from the scene. The shaman, looking right at R with hard eyes, said, "Your big god had scared my little god away. Stop bothering us. Go away. Shoo." I must add, there were really a large number of people, and we were right at the back of the crowd. R is particularly small guy, just about 160 centimeter tall, and would have been practically invisible. Also, the ritual was very loud, and it was impossible that the shaman could overheard R's whisper of prayer. Hi, this is Anthony. Thank you very much for listening. This episode was a bit more of explanations than stories, but shamans are such integral part in paranormal stories from Korea. I thought I should make a bit of a lecture for the future stories. Today's stories were more about shamans living in the modern Korea, but the next episode will include stories dealing with different areas of work of shamans. So stay tuned. If you liked the video and would like them keep coming, please subscribe, comment, like, and click the bell notification to help the new channel grow. Then, until the next, take care.